Hello, I'm Diva, and I would like to welcome you to the Absolutely Divalicious podcast. So, before this episode continues, I would like to give out a fair warning to everyone involved or everyone listening. Um, this topic is a bit harder on the mental frame and it can cause anxiety so if you don't want to feel some sort of displeasure or actually think about the future in this way please click off right now the other day i was listening to music after class and scrolling through instagram when i stumbled upon a very interesting post Uh, i will make sure to link it down in the comments but it was about roko basilisk's thought experiment that initially ascended in 2010 by the user Rocco on the Less Wrong community blog. That post gave a brief explanation on what it is and how it could affect us humans. Though it wasn't enough to fulfill my curiosity, so therefore I decided to google it a bit more and actually I've got some information that may or may not be quite interesting. So let's get started, shall we? Rocco's Basilisk is a thought experiment proposed in 2010 by the user Rocco on the Less Wrong community blog. Rocco used ideas and decision theory to argue that a sufficiently powerful AI agent would have an incentive to torture anyone who imagined the agent but didn't work to bring the agent into existence. The argument was called a Basilisk because merely hearing the argument would supposedly put you at risk of torture from this hypothetical agent. A basilisk in this context is an information that harms or endangers the people who hear it. Broco's argument was broadly rejected unless wrong, with commenters objecting that an agent like the one Roku was describing would have no real reason to follow through on its threat. Once the agent already exists, it can't affect the probability of its existence, so torturing people for their past decisions would be a waste of resources. Although, several decision theories allow one to follow through on occasional threats and promises, via the same pre-commitment methods that permit mutual cooperation in prisoners' dilemmas, it is not clear that such theories can be blackmailed. If they can be blackmailed, this additionally requires a large amount of shared information and trust between the agents, which does not appear to exist in the case of Roko's Basilisk. Less Wrong's founder, Eliezer Yudkovsky, I'm so sorry if I pronounced that name wrong, I do not know how to pronounce it, banned discussion of Roko's Basilisk on the blog for several years as part of a general site policy against spreading potential information hazards. This had the opposite of its intended effect. A number of outside websites began sharing information about Roko's Basilisk, as the ban attracted attention to this taboo topic. Websites like Rational Wiki spread the assumption that Roko's Basilisk had been banned because Less Wrong users accepted the argument, thus many criticisms of Less Wrong cite Roko's Basilisk as evidence that the site's users have unconventional and wrong-headed beliefs. Now, let's talk a bit more about the background. Roko's argument ties together two hotly debated academic topics, newcomb-like problems in decision theory and normative uncertainty in moral philosophy. One example of a newcomb-like problem is a prisoner's dilemma. This is a two-player game in which each player has two options, cooperate or defect. By assumption, each player prefers to defect rather than cooperate, all else being equal, but each player also prefers mutual cooperation over mutual defection. For example, we could imagine that if both players cooperate, then both get $10, and if both players defect, then both get $1. 
But if one player defects and the other cooperates, the defector gets 15 bucks, and the cooperator gets nothing. We can equally well construct a prisoner's dilemma for altruistic agents. One of the basic open problems in decision theory is that standard rational agents will end up defecting against each other, even though it would be better for both players if they could somehow enact a binding mutual agreement to cooperate instead. In an extreme version of the prisoner's dilemma that draws out the strangeness of mutual defection, one can imagine that one is playing against an identical copy of oneself. Each copy knows that the two copies will play the same move, so the copies know that the only two possibilities are we both cooperate or we both defect. In this situation, cooperation is the best choice, yet casual decision theory, CDT, which is the most popular theory among working decision theorists, endorses mutual defection in this situation. This is because CDT tactically assumes that the two agents' choices are independent. It notes that defection is the best option assuming my copy is already definitely going to defect and that defection is also the best option assuming my copy is already definitely going to cooperate, so since defection dominates, it defects. In other words, the standard formulation of CDT cannot model scenarios where another agent or a part of the environment is correlated with the decision process, except insofar as the decision causes the correlation. The general name for scenarios where CDT fails is Newcomb-like problems, and these scenarios are ubiquitous in human interactions. Eliezer Yudkowsky proposed an alternative to CDT, Timeless Decision Theory, TDT, that can achieve mutual cooperation in prisoners' dilemmas, provided both players are running TDT and both players have common knowledge of this fact. The cryptographer Wei Dai subsequently developed a theory that outperforms both TDT and CDT called Updateless Decision Theory, UDT. Yudkowsky's interest in decision theory stems from his interest in the AI control problem. Quote, if artificially intelligent systems someday come to suppress humans in intelligence, how can we specify safe goals for them to autonomously carry out, and how can we gain high confidence in the agent's reasoning and decision-making? End quote. Yudkowsky has argued that in the absence of a full understanding of decision theory, we risk building autonomous systems whose behavior is erratic or difficult to model. The control problem also raises questions in moral philosophy. How can we specify the goals of an autonomous agent in the face of human uncertainty about what it is we actually want? And how can we specify such goals in a way that allows for moral progress over time? Yudkowsky's term for a hypothetical algorithm that could autonomously pursue human goals in a way compatible with moral progress is coherent, extrapolated volition. Because Eliezer Yudkowsky founded Less Wrong and was one of the first bloggers on the site, AI theory and occasional decision theories, in particular logical decision theories which respect logical connections between agents, properties rather than just the casual effects they have on each other, have been repeatedly discussed on Less Wrong. Roko's Basilisk was an attempt to use Yudkowsky's proposed decision theory, TDT, to argue against his informal characterization of an ideal AI goal. Now, on to the main topic of this discussion, Rocco's post. Two agents that are running a logical decision theory can achieve mutual cooperation in a prisoner's dilemma, even if there is no outside force mandating cooperation. 
Because their decisions take into account correlations that are not caused by either decision, though there is generally some common cause in the past, they can even cooperate if they are separated by large distances in space or time. Rocco observed that if two TDT or UTD agents with common knowledge of each other's source codes are separated in time, the later agent can seemingly blackmail the earlier agent. Call the earlier agent Alice and the later agent Bob. Bob can be an algorithm that outputs things Alice likes if Alice left Bob a large sum of money, and outputs things Alice dislikes otherwise. And since Alice knows Bob's source code exactly, she knows this fact about Bob, even though Bob hasn't been born yet. So Alice's knowledge of Bob's source code makes Bob's future threat effective, even though Bob doesn't yet exist. If Alice is certain that Bob will someday exist, then mere knowledge of what Bob would do if he could get away with it seems to force Alice to comply with his hypothetical demands. If Bob ran CDT, then he would be unable to blackmail Alice. A CDT agent would assume that its decision is independent of Alice's and would not waste resources on rewarding or punishing a once-off decision that has already happened. And we are assuming that Alice could spot this fact by reading CDT Bob's source code. A TDT or UDT agent, on the other hand, can recognize that Alice in effect has a copy of Bob's source code in her head, insofar as she is accurately modeling Bob, and that Alice's decision and Bob's decision are therefore correlated, the same as if two copies of the same source code were in a prisoner's dilemma. Rocco raised this point in the context of debates about the possible behaviors and motivations of advanced AI systems. In a July 2010 Less Wrong post, Rocco wrote, quote, In this vein, there is the ominous possibility that if a positive singularity does occur, the resultant singleton may have pre-committed to punish all potential donors who knew about existential risks but who didn't give 100% of their disposable incomes to X-risk motivation. This would act as an incentive to get people to donate more to reducing existential risk and thereby increase the chance of a positive singularity. This seems to be what CEV, Coherent Extrapolated Evolution of Humanity, might do if it were an occasional decision maker. End quote. Singularity here refers to an intelligence explosion, and singleton refers to a superintelligent AI system. Since a highly moral AI agent, one whose actions are consistent with our, our coherently extrapolated evolution, would want to be created as soon as possible, Roku argued that such an AI would use a casual blackmail to give humans stronger incentives to create it. Rocco made the claim that the hypothetical AI agent would particularly target people who had thought about this argument because they would have a better chance of mentally simulating the AI's source code. Roku added, quote, Of course this would be unjust, but is the kind of unjust thing that is oh so very utilitarian. End quote. Roku's conclusion from this was that we should never build any powerful AI agent that reasons like a utilitarian, optimizing for humanity's coherently extrapolated values, because this would, paradoxically, be detrimental to human values. Eliezer Yudovsky has responded a few times to the substance of Rocco's claims. Example, in a 2014 Reddit thread, Yudovsky wrote, quote, 
What's the truth about Roku's basilisk? The truth is that making something like this work in that sense of managing to think a thought that would actually give future superintelligences an incentive to hurt you would require overcoming what seems to me like some pretty huge obstacles. The most blatant obstacle to Roku's basilisk is, intuitively, that there is no incentive for a future agent to follow through with this threat in the future, because by doing so, it just expends resources and to no gain to itself. We can formalize that using classical casual decision theory, which is the academically standard decision theory. Following through on a blackmail threat in the future after the past has already taken place cannot, from the blackmailing agent's perspective, be the physical cause of improved outcomes in the past, because the future cannot be the cause of the past. But classical casual decision theory isn't the only decision theory that has ever been invented, and if you were to read up on the academic literature, you would find a lot of challenges to dissertation. Example, two rational agents always affect against each other in the one-shot prisoner's dilemma. One of those challenges was a theory of my own invention, which is why this whole fiasco took place on lesswrong.com in the first place. I feel like the speaker of that ancient quote, All my father ever wanted to was make a toaster, you could really set the darkness on and you perverted his work into these horrible machines. But there have actually been a lot of challenges like that in the literature, not just mine, as anyone actually investigating would have discovered. Lots of people are uncomfortable with the notion that rational agents always affect in the one-shot prisoner's dilemma. And if you formalize blackmail, including this case of blackmail, the same way, then most challenges to mutual defection in the prisoner's dilemma are also implicitly challenges to the first obvious reason why Roku's basilisk would never work. But there are also other obstacles. The decision theory I proposed back in the day says that you have to know certain things about the other agent in order to achieve mutual cooperation in the prisoner's dilemma. And that's with both parties trying to set up situation which leads to mutual cooperation instead of mutual defection. As I presently understand the situation, there is literally nobody on earth, including me, who has the knowledge needed to set themselves up to be blackmailed if they were deliberately trying to make that happen. Any potential blackmailing AI would much prefer to have you believe that it is blackmailing you without actually expending resources on following through with the blackmail, insofar as they think they can exert any control on you at all via an exotic decision theory. Just like in the one-shot prisoner's dilemma, the ideal outcome is for the other player to believe you are modeling them and will cooperate if and only if they cooperate, and so they cooperate but then actually you just affect anyway. For the other player to be confident this will not happen in the prisoner's dilemma, for them to expect you to not sneakily defect anyway, they must have some very strong knowledge about you. In the case of Roku's Basilisk, defection corresponds to not actually torturing anyone, not expending resources on that, and just letting them believe that you will blackmail them. Two AI agents with sufficiently strong knowledge of each other and heavily motivated to achieve mutual cooperation on the prisoner's dilemma might be able to overcome this obstacle and cooperate with confidence. But why would you put in that degree of effort, if you even could, which I don't think you as a human can, in order to give a blackmailing agent an incentive to actually carry through on its threats? 
I have written the above with some reluctance because even if I don't yet see a way to repair this obstacle myself, somebody else might see how to repair it now that I've said what it is, which is not a good general procedure for handling info hazards. People with expert knowledge on them should, obviously as a matter of professional ethics, just never discuss them at all, including describing why a particular proposal doesn't work, just in case there's some unforeseen clever way to repair the proposal. There are other obstacles here which I'm not discussing, just in case the logic I described above has a flaw. Nonetheless, so far as I know, Roku's basilisk does not work. Nobody has actually been bitten by it, and everything I've done was in the service of what I thought was the obvious good general procedure for handling potential info hazards." End quote. Other users, unless wrong, generally rejected Roku's argument at the time, and skepticism about his supposedly basilisk appeared to have only increased with time. Subsequent discussion of Roku's basilisk has focused on less wrong moderator responses to Roku's posts, rather than on the specific merits or dismerits of his argument. Shortly after Roku made his blog post, Yudkovsky left an angry comment on the discussion thread. Uh, I'm not going to read the comment, but if you want to do it by yourself, I'm going to make sure to link it down in the comments or in the description, so be my guest. Friendly AI is a hypothetically superintelligent AI agent that can be trusted to autonomously promote desirable ends. Yudkovsky rejected the idea that Roku's basilisk could be called friendly or utilitarian since torture and threats of blackmail are themselves contrary to common human values. Separately, Yudkovsky doubted that humans possessed enough information about any hypothetically unfriendly AI system to enter Alice's position even if we tried. Yudkovsky additionally argued that a well-designed version of Alice would pre-commit to resisting blackmailing from Bob while still accepting positive some casual traits, example, ordinary contracts. Yudkovsky proceeded to delete Roku's post and the ensuing discussion while banning further discussion of the topic on the blog. A few months later, an anonymous editor added a discussion of Roku's basilisk to an article covering Less Wrong. The editor inferred from Yudkovsky's comment that people on Less Wrong accepted Roku's argument. There is apparently an idea so horrible, so utterly Cthulian in the nature that it needs to be censored for our sanity. Simply knowing about it makes it more likely of becoming true in the real world. Eliezer Yudkovsky and the other great rationalists keep us safe by deleting any post with this one evil idea. Yes, they really do believe that. Occasionally, a poster will complain off-topic about the idea being deleted." End quote. Over time, Rational Wiki's Roku's Basilisk discussion expanded into its own article. Editors had difficulty interpreting Roku's reasoning, thinking that Roku's argument was intended to promote Yudkovsky's AI program rather than to criticize it. Since discussing of the topic was still banned on Less Wrong, the main source for information about the incident continued to be the coverage of Rational Wiki for several years. As a further consequence of the ban, no explanations were given about the details of Roku's argument or the views of Less Wrong users. This generated a number of criticisms of Less Wrong's forum moderation policies. Interest in the topic increased over subsequent years. Other sources have repeated to claim that Less Wrong users think Roku's basilisk is a serious concern. However, none of these sources have yet satiated supporting evidence on this point, aside from Less Wrong moderation activity itself. The ban, of course, didn't make it easy to collect good information. 
less wrong user Gwern, I'm so sorry for the name pronunciation, reports that only a few users seem to take the basilisk very seriously, adding that it's funny how everyone seems to know all about who is affected by the basilisk and how exactly when they don't know any such people that they're talking to counterexample to their confident claims. Well, that will be all for today's episode and part one of Roko's basilisk theory. What are your thoughts on the whole situation and do you believe in Roko's basilisk theory? Till the next episode, stay safe. Goodbye!